0: You're listening to Test, Learn, Grow, where we believe that all marketing should create value, build trust, and inspire change. This is The Level Agency Way. Hey, my name is Miles Biggs.
1: And I'm Alan Reynolds.
0: Alan and I are proud to be your hosts for this podcast.
1: And each episode of Test, Learn, Grow will be joined by agency team members and other members of the marketing community for radically candid conversations on all things marketing.
0: So without any further ado... Let's have one of those conversations and jump into today's episode.
1: Welcome back to Test, Learn, Grow. Today on the podcast, we have Slade Cobran of Chief Outsiders. We have our very own affable host, Miles Biggs. And last but certainly not least, Patrick Patterson, owner of Level Agency. Glad to have you lads on the podcast. Slade, thanks for making time in your schedule for us why don't you kick us off by telling us a little bit about yourself as the dreaded interview question goes.
2: Sure. And first of all, thanks for having me today. I'm really uh, looking forward to the conversation and I just appreciate the time and the opportunity. So I am Slate uh, Slade Coburn. I'm a managing partner here at Chief Outsider. So I've been with the company now for, oh, I think it's 10 years in July. So it's a 13-year-old company. I've been there for 10 of them. So we've really seen a lot of growth, a lot of scaling. Joining you from my my basement office here in beautiful, not-so-sunny Northwest New Jersey, but happy to finally have some spring here a little bit. Tell you just a quick blurb about Chief Outsiders and happy to answer any questions. We are fractional or part-time Chief Marketing Officers. And what we do is we focus on profitable top-line revenue growth at scale. So all those three elements revenue growth, profitability and scalability are really what we focus on. And we do that by bringing experienced c level marketers to the table. We're up to I think somewhere around 115 CMOs in our tribe of marketers, all full-time chief outsiders and all really available to not only work with individual clients but to collaborate and learn from each other, share information, gather best practices which I think makes us each better as marketers ourselves and really provides better outcome for our clients. So great to be here.
3: Yeah, thanks for thanks for coming Slade. You know, it's been we've we've been working with Chief Outsiders now, I think for Maybe five or six years, and had some ha- have had some great experiences. And the the breadth of the availability of your CMOs and the different types of CMOs that you have, and the different projects that that you guys work on is is phenomenal. I didn't realize you were up to 150. Congratulations! That's a that's
2: 115. A, we'll probably be at 150 this time next year if we continue to grow. Well, but we're well, this just at about 115 now.
3: This is going to be recorded, so we're going to use this against you in a year from now. Yes. We're gonna we're gonna see how well your prediction is, uh, for sure. Yeah,
2: and, and you got the got the you know it was the New Jersey accent. I know I probably wasn't
3: <laughs> very good. Well, you know, I we we have worked together in in a couple of different ways, but one of the ways that that we've seen a lot of success is you know. Chief outsiders come in and offer that high level strategic perspective and level kind of filling in where, you know, where we might be able to execute on that strategic perspective and really working together. So how do you, you know, when you when you come into an engagement, how do you determine whether or not it is a good fit for someone like a, a chief outsider? Like why would someone call you guys versus calling us or doing it themselves? Why would someone call you?
2: Yeah, you know, there's a couple of different scenarios I would say of when we're called in and when we're a good fit and you know quite frankly we're not the right fit for every situation so you know we tend to work well when there's I would say a lot on the line when there's a strategic growth opportunity, you know, a company that wants to go to the next, and we work in the middle market. So, you know, maybe they're trying to get from 15 to $50 million, or maybe they used to be at 20 and now they're at 15 and they see the business declining. So we tend to work well when there's, you know, enough meat on the bone and it's, and it's, and it's really critical growth opportunities. While we can certainly help a client tweak out a couple of extra points of growth, that's probably not the best use case for us because, you know, we're not always going to be the most cost effective way to get that done. So I think, you know, from a strategic overview standpoint, there's got to be enough there there to make it sense, make sense to to bring in the firepower that a chief outsiders represents.
3: Yeah, I was like thinking about questions that a CMO like a CEO might be asking themselves right now. Like what, what questions might a CEO have that could be answered by chief outsiders?
2: Yeah. So, you know, the other thing is I I often say we're, we're kind of like the doctor. We have to diagnose the underlying condition from the symptoms that they get, you know, that we get. So what we get presented with a lot is, you know, can't, I'm not getting enough leads. All right. How do I get more leads? How do I get my sales team to close more business? How do I stop the bleeding in my customer base? How do I beat the competition? Because now we're seeing new competitors and we're you know how do we kind of get back to the growth that we may have had before because now we're going backwards? Or how do we find something new to do because what we used to do doesn't work the same way or at all anymore? So we're getting a lot of those kinds of questions and where they think the problem is is not always where the actual problem is. And so that's where I think a a chief outsider can come in and really diagnose the underlying issues. Do you have the right product market? Do you have the right target customer bases? Are you in the right areas, the right right places? Do you have the right distribution model, right? The right channel strategy? You have the right pricing strategy. Those types of things, I think, where chief outsiders can add value. And we're kind of coming to those things and not always ending up where the client thought we, you know, they they needed the help when they first contacted us or you know we first came into the engagement. What we just finished with is very poignant, right? You end up somewhere maybe they didn't
0: expect, maybe somewhere they didn't want, right? right. So, can you give us an example of that? Like they came in asking for a and you provided b i'm curious what that looks like
2: yeah we see that a lot where you know there's there's often a you know i'm speaking more specifically right now in the b2b world right where there's often a, an emphasis on new logos right we need to get more more customers we need to get more new new clients new logos and yes that's important but sometimes those strategies take more time right especially if you're looking to expand into a new segment geographically or a new customer segment. And often there's a lot of low hanging fruit within the customer base. How do we mine that base? How do we reposition the company? And when we come in, we're not just looking at top line, we're looking at that profitability factor. So what we're often finding is, you know what, you've got a whole set of unprofitable customers that are a drain on your resources. They're they're hurting your margins. And if we could do some action there to either move them up in profitability or, you know, which freaks every client out, fire those clients, right? Because they're, they're too much time, effort, and they're not making any money off of them and move those resources into higher value areas. That might give you a better near-term ba- a bang for the buck than just getting new logos. And yes, we are gonna focus on getting new logos as well, but it's gonna take time to build traction and we're going to, in, in the meantime, improve the financial performance of the business and kind of help reposition those resources to, to work on more effective opportunities. So that's, you know, that that kind of thing happens a lot where where the client thinks they need to go one area and then kind of help it another. Another area is, you know, well, what we really need is and you see this a lot in product-led companies. Well, we're, if we only had this one feature that our competition needs, or we need this one killer feature, if we can just bring that out, we'll be. And again, what we often find is, well, yeah, but maybe the features you have are not being presented well, or maybe you're not really working in your most effective segments or you really don't understand the customer's needs and what their buying process is, and we can improve that customer journey a little bit, we can, you know, again, maybe the feature is a a plus, but in the meantime, we can help improve performance around the core products that you have. One thing, you know, everybody always wants something new, but you got to sell what you have. Every sales team wants to have new features, better pricing, whatever it is, but sell what you have, and there are ways to really improve performance around it.
3: Yeah, I think, you know, we we walk in a lot to organizations that you know want more leads and want better performance and I love what you're saying, Slade. You know there's there's an aspect of having an amazing product first and and being product focused and and customer focused in the in what you in in the pot product that you're creating and the product that you have to market that a lot of people forget and you know coming in and looking strategically and you know we we talk we use design thinking and lean aspects here to get that consumer feedback to figure out what's working and what's not but then having that kind of uh, cycle that goes from marketing to product from marketing to product so that they know what what are consumers looking for and how do we use our mps scores or the or the customer surveys to inform what we're going to build next. Next and how we're going to market it and kind of utilizing it all together. And you know what, what I always say first is, you know, you know, we look at, we turn down business. We turn down clients that we work with. I'm sure you guys do too. It's not always a great fit for level agency or chief outsiders. When we're talking to someone, one of the reasons we might do that is that the product not, there's not enough focus on the product. There's not enough focus on making something that people actually want. And there's more focus on, well, how do we market it and how do we sell it? So I, I think that's going to be a big push as well as we go into 2022, 2023. People are looking for products that add value to their lives, right? And 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 that, that goes for B2B, that goes for B2C, that goes everywhere. And so is that something that Chief Outsiders is going to come in and look at and say, you know, not just from a how do I get more leads or how do I grow market share, but how do I create a product that people find value?
2: Well, yeah, because it really starts with the insights on the customer and understanding what. is 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 valuable to them and where they place value because it may not be on the things that the company or the product designers think it is right or at least not in the same order of importance and and hierarchy so understanding that and then nobody operates in a vacuum Right. So what does the competitive set look like and who are the competitors? And, and you know, it's not everybody always kind of thinks of, well, it's that company over there because they do the exact same thing we do. What are the alternatives that the customer has and how do they think about it? Because, they, you know, it's what's important in their mind. And then ultimately tying that back to the core drivers of the business and the core financial drivers that really make inside the business effective to tweak things so that all those things come in so that not only are we meeting the customers where they need to be we're finding the spots where we have the best right to win and can really take share but we're doing so in a way that drives our business model the right way as well so all those three aspects come in and that starts with insights which is where you know following our growth gears model where we you know we really start in building the strategy i will say so many clients and this is you know consumer driven products and services, as well as, you know, B2B driven, have, you know, if we build it, they will come kind of mentality, you know, we're just going to show it to people and they're going to fall in love with it and see the intrinsic value and want more and more of it. And that works up to a certain level in the startup, but it only gets you so far. And that's where you really need a disciplined approach to understanding, reaching, communicating with and converting customers or clients, whatever you call them, into long-term valued relationships. And in that process, folks like Level Agency, I mean, you guys are critical in that process. We are hands-on at Chief Outsiders. We're not that corner office CMO who thinks big thoughts and has an army of minions running around. Working in the middle market, there are no armies of minions. But, you know, what we really need is to build that platform for our clients and build those capabilities and determine, help the client determine what, what position should they hire for? Where should they bring in freelancers or consultants or where, where can agencies add value? And, and because we do this for a living across multiple clients, we know how to tell good from bad we know how to set criteria up for our agency partners we know how to bring uh, the trusted resources to the table we never force anybody on a client but you know we we've done been there done that multiple times so we know how to do that and then my experience is and you guys can certainly tell me if you think I but when there's a good strong voice inside the business it makes your life you know, folks like you, your life's easier and better and easier to perform because you've got the right direction versus the client changing their mind every five minutes because they're chasing, you know, whatever shiny thing was put in front of them.
3: Yeah, 100%. And, you know, one of the things, you know, I get asked a lot, like, hey, what? is there anything I need to do before I hire a level? And one is product and the, the, have a good product that people want to buy. The The second thing is have an internal advocate for marketing, right? And you can't be successful hiring an agency if you don't have an internal advocate for marketing. And that could be in the form of a director of marketing that could be in the form of a fractional CMO. So, you know, if I'm a CEO and I'm sitting here and I'm I'm listening to this and I'm like, well, should I hire a full-time CMO? Should I just hire a marketing manager? You know, why why go fractional? When when do I need to hire a fractional? Is that one hour a week? Is that ten hours a week? What does that mean, fractional CMO? Is that one person? Is that multiple people? Explain explain that to maybe the folks that aren't familiar with the fractional CMO model.
2: Well, I think if you're a CEO of a business that has a high degree of confidence that you've got the right growth path mapped out, you know where growth is going to come from. Again, you've mapped that we have our financial goals, we've aligned our go-to-market strategy with that. We're going to, you know, get it from X. these segments, these customer types, this this product mix, we know where pricing fits into that. We have our channel strategy down. We've got all that mapped out. We have a high degree of confidence. We're seeing everything from a strategic standpoint fit in, into the system then maybe you don't need a chief outsiders maybe you need some strong execution resources and and maybe if you don't have a person inside a good director of marketing because a lot of most middle market companies don't need a CMO level person forever it's just overkill and and too much cost but but having a good director of marketing to keep that going and and then have the the knowledge to know when to bring in folks like level agency to kind of really focus on getting uh, to that customer and helping with those conversion. You probably don't need a chief outsider at that, at that point. If you're not sure that you've got that growth path mapped out, if the plans that you had in place don't really kind of come to fruition, if you're seeing the frustration as a CEO, as a leader of the business and executing against that vision and against that financial plan, then maybe somebody can come in and take a holistic look at the business help kind of take that assess, fix, and build approach and build that platform, um, and then maybe help you hire if you don't already have them into a good director of marketing who can kind of grow with the business over time. We've seen that be a, a great model for thousands of clients that we've served over the last you know 10 or 12 years.
1: I don't know about you, Slade, but my experience with executives, even ones that are dealing with situations, the latter that you described, you know they want the fix and they want it yesterday yeah. so when you're dealing with executives who decide yes a fractional cmo makes sense for us this is the direction we want to work with chief outsiders what do timelines look like when you're setting and negotiating partnership at the beginning you know quick fixes are usually something to be wary of how long does it take on average to turn things around and get it into a strong strategic place
2: Yeah, look, you've got to be realistic, right? And we lay out a timeline with our clients and a set of workflows. You know, the the, the kind of the rule of thumb was always, you know, when you hire somebody to get kind of a six month grace period to kind of learn the business and settle in and whatnot. Well, if you're hiring a consultant, if you're hiring a chief outsider or other consultants, you get a six day grace period if you're lucky, right? Yeah. Um, They're writing checks and, and, and the first check, maybe they're okay to write that second check they're writing to you, they better see some value in it right away or they're not writing that third check for sure and maybe not the second. So we've got to kind of walk and chew gum at the same time and 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 the expression, you know, change the tires on, on the car as we're driving down the highway. So yes, it, and that's one of the warning signs, right? When we're doing our discovery process and our vetting process to see if we are a good fit. If all they're looking for is those quick fixes, the magic bullet, Look, we're not going to come in and wave a magic wand and suddenly solve everything. Life doesn't work that way. But if they're interested in taking a, a, a purposeful approach to how to go to the market, go to market rather, that's where chief outsiders can come in. But I'll also tell you, in invariably, you know, we kind of talk about strategy, we talk about all these things and what the time frames are. And then you get in there and it's like, okay, I need some leads for next week. How are we going to do that? So we've got to be nimble enough to look for those low-hanging Fruit opportunities and to help find those areas that can add value. That could sometimes be from a lead standpoint. It could sometimes be from additional market or, or customer insights that we can come to the table. Sometimes the questions that we can ask to get them thinking about things that can quickly be put into action. Sometimes it's just around the wording that they use, bringing our experience to the table. And, you know, sometimes it's just getting them to stop doing the things that are wasting time, energy and money and start to refocus quickly. So we're always, you know, thinking on our feet to make sure we're not just throwing the next thing against the wall and chasing the next shiny penny, but we've got a pragmatic approach to getting things moving along while we're kind of figuring out the longer term. You know.
1: And I'd imagine that's a twofold problem where at the beginning you need to show value, demonstrate value early on, but then once you have a a strong roadmap, you actually need boots on the ground to do the work. Yeah, that's not, that's not something Chief Outsiders does, that's either an internal marketing department or external agencies. How do you partner with either of those two groups to make sure your vision that you've carefully crafted is faithfully enacted?
2: Yeah. So first of all, it's not our vision; it's the CEO's vision, right? Our job is to bring that to life and to really fulfill that. We always say our one, our number one core value is that the CEO is the number one marketer for the business, right? For the company, and so our job is to help fulfill the CEO's vision for for the business. But when we put a plan in place, you know, we have to be able to 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 put it, uh, a platform in place that can continue, or what we call an engine for growth, that can continue, if you add the right fuel, to to run smoothly and generate that revenue on an ongoing basis. So while we are hands-on when we need to be, you know, I've written web copy, I've written emails and so on, you don't want me or another chief outsider to do that forever. And so we quickly need to bring those resources in. So that's where having a trusted resource like Level Agency that we've worked with before we kind of talk each other's language. We know how to work effectively together. So you don't have a lot of time wasted on just kind of learning that. And we've had positive experiences. Again, uh, 115 chief marketing officers with different resources that they can bring to the table and recommend to each other is a tremendous value to us and to our clients. Really adds a lot of value to to, to the whole process. So folks like yourselves are really critical to that. And, and, and the question is, you know, when do we kind of slot you in? Some clients already have agency relationships. We've got to vet them. Some of them have, you know, staff internally that can do stuff. We're often kind of helping to reposition some of those folks that are not utilized effectively and leverage their skills and capabilities. So it's kind of putting those jigsaw pieces together.
3: Yeah. And, and you know, you've mentioned it a couple of times, but, you know, one of the benefits of of having a, a CMO with a lot of experience is, you know, I, I like to talk about the, 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 the bomb diffuser, you know, there's a bunch of wires and you need to know what wire to cut. Right. And you don't have a lot of time. And the one nice thing about a CMO is they know what wire to cut because they've cut a bunch of wires before, right? Some have exploded in their face and so they know what wire to cut. And so you're coming in and fractionally able to make some really big decisions that have major impact for the mid market and you know choosing the right marketing director choosing the right agency choosing the right platforms to go to market with you know those big decisions at the beginning have a massive impact but also don't take a lot of time right they 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 don't require someone 12 months 40 hours a week they require the right person for a few hours making the right decision and that's almost invaluable And in my opinion, is coming in and saying, no, don't do that, do this. And if that's coming from credibility and experience and all of those things, that to me is well worth the cost of admission of something like a chief outsiders. So, you know, I just think that's important as we're as we're talking to the CEOs and they're 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 in that mid market and they're saying, "Okay, how do I build this this team? You absolutely can do it yourself. For sure, right? It's you'll. It's just a matter a matter of time and effort yeah. and and in whether or it not how many and, times you want to fail yeah. versus bringing in someone who's already failed a bunch, right? I, I, I say this a lot. Like I was on the client side, I spent. $43 million a year. And all that means is I made 43 million mistakes a year, right? And I learned from all of them so that the next time I can not spend that money the same way, but spend it in a better way. And like you're bringing in someone with that experience at a fractional rate and the value that is created by every single hour. That's at least what I've seen every single hour from a chief outsider's. Is well beyond what you're writing in a check at the end of the day.
2: Yeah, no, look, I can't, I, 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 I can't disagree with that. I think that's really where the value is. And and from a chief outsider standpoint, not are you bringing in an individual who has that, but you're bringing in a tribe, a, a hundred and plus, you know, people who have that and who can share those best practices and share those experiences and share those resources, you know. And then you're talking to middle market companies, if it, it, you know, a little. Chief Outsiders goes a long way, kind of like concentrated uh, orange juice or concentrated detergent, right? You only need to add water and 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 have a tremendous effect. I think you just um, ha- it, you
3: have a new ad campaign right there, Slater. There Come you on. go. You
2: know, if we were in there all day, every day, we'd probably be driving our clients crazy because there's just not that much from a go-to-market to do. But a focused approach, somebody who can get in there and quickly organize and and get the team on board and put that platform in place you know and our engagements might last six or eight or 12 or 20 months whatever they might be but my experience is we're getting our clients where they need to go one to two years faster than if they just tried and failed on their own and that is tremendous value and then you know being able to kind of leverage those resources and then especially if they are going to be hiring Uh, a good director of marketing or even a VP of marketing, whatever the right title might be, having that platform in place for them, having uh, somebody who knows what to look for and how to vet those resources, again, can get them even that much further down the road than they would on their own. And that's the the value proposition we've really been able to fulfill for our clients.
3: I I mean, I've had some CEOs call me up and say, hey, could you interview this director of marketing that I'm about to bring on. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I actually have done that that for free. Like, sure. Cause, cause if, if they bring in the right person, that means they're going to work way better with level agency or a company like level agency or chief outsiders in the future. So, you know, it's such a important aspect that I think maybe go goes overlooked. It's, bringing in the right people, bringing in the right partners and knowing the difference between good and bad right. is sometimes very, very difficult when you have a bunch of marketing folks that are good at marketing themselves. You know, so it's it's sometimes very difficult in the seed, sea of us to see the the, the good and the, the, the real from the not real.
2: Yeah, no, and that's exactly right because that's where we have the experience, both kind of in good and bad, but also specifically and particularly with the case of Level Agency of working with you guys directly. So again, we've kind of got that shorthand down a little bit. And look, you know, a chief outsider who's come in and work with a client for 18 months or whatever it is and built that platform and gotten them from point A to point, you know, W because they've gotten them that further down the road has a lot of pride and, and a lot of themselves wrapped up in that. And the last thing they want to do is see it kind of all go, you know, belly up six months after they leave. So it's important for us to make sure we're putting that right set of resources into the client to take them where they need to go next because we've gotten them to a certain point
3: yeah that's great you know one of the things I'm very curious about and you know it probably for for other agency folks that are listening to this you know there's there's our audiences is, is agency internal marketing or you know the CEOs you have a hundred and fifteen folks, you know, working at your company, how do you one of the one of the benefits that you have that level doesn't even have is you have 115 CMOs that all have all of this various opinion and experience. How do you leverage that network effect of having all of those amazing people? You know, are there cross learnings? Are there ways that you are, you know, getting something from this CMO to this CMO? And how do you do that? And, and how is that a benefit?
2: Yeah. So, so we do that in various ways, right? So we, we have our Slack channels and knowledge, our online knowledge community, and different things where people are asking questions and posting material and sharing best practices and templates and and all those things. And those things happen organically. More systematically, we do our peer reviews and a peer review is a CMO will present Kind of a case study and maybe some specific problem areas that they're having or specific areas that they could, you know, want more focused input from other CMOs and, and, and do a peer review and get 15, 20 or 30 other CMOs providing guidance and, and recommendations and best practices, not only from that specific industry, but completely different industries and being able to bring those best practices and and thoughts into those client and give that client the benefit of that extra learning. And then organically, more and more of our CMOs have been working together on engagements and wanting to partner up to to, to have that collaborative effect and really provides much more out, better outcomes for our clients. A lot of this has happened organically, and we've got some tools that have enabled us to do this. And that, I think, really served us well when we were 25 and 50 and even 80 CMOs. As we're at 115 on the way to 150, it's getting a little bit unwieldy. And we've recognized that the most important differentiator we have is the value of our tribe. And unlocking that and continuously enabling that cross-pollination and that, that collaboration is really more and more our secret sauce. So, We just within the last few months have appointed a chief learning officer whose primary role will be to really facilitate and support, not replace the organic kind of collaboration because you never want to lose that but to make it easier and, and provide forums and systems to kind of enable that more so we're really leaning into that as our differentiator and as something that will really fuel our growth going forward I, so I love really that critical.
3: I love that slate I think it's so important you know we as we're recording this uh, we're at 75 folks here in level I have to say that because you know we'll be we'll be at 80 before we know it and hopefully 150 catching yeah. you guys uh, soon hopefully but uh, or 115. And so, you know, and I'm sure Alan is sitting back uh saying, <laughs> writing down that chief learning officer title. You know, one of the things we we learned early on that, you know, is about we hit about, I think it was around sixty. And, you know, really figuring out how do we in our cross-functional way, because we have cross-functional teams, a small group of marketers that are all working towards end goals and smaller number of clients. How do we make sure that those learnings go across those teams? And one of the things that we did was bring in Alan, who is our our head of our head of training. And the first thing that she does is make sure everyone has a solid base. And then she's establishes life, you know, kind of goals throughout and then works with what we call centers of excellence to make. Sure sure that those learnings go across the entire agency. And it is a full-time job. I'm sure she would say it's three full-time jobs, even with 75 people. But it's been, I think, one of our best investments as an organization is really kind of doubling down on how do we get how do we get the benefit of someone learn something over here and someone over here. Now in a COVID era, you can't just yell across an office, right? So we're all over the world, all over the country. So how do we get that learning And in real time, almost to everyone else in the organization. And that to me, and we're, you know, no company has figured it out perfectly. I think, you know, you mentioned Slack, you mentioned some, some organic ways that people come together. But that to me is the big question of the office of the future is how do we have that collaboration how do we have that learning that shared group that that feeling that we're all working together while not having to sit right next to each other and you know how have you seen your business change you know, you've been doing it for 10 years and, and Chief Outsiders has been around for a few years before that. So you've seen some different evolutions of the company. How have you seen it change in the past two years when when thinking about this work from home and all of
2: those things? You know, I think it changed for us less than most because we've always been work from home and virtual. We, we don't have any physical office space. We've got, you know, 100, you know, again, last year was 80, whatever people spread around the country working remotely in our home offices and that client site. And we've always been that way. So from the very beginning, we had to figure out ways to stay connected and communicate in a, in a uh, distributed world, so to speak. And I think the, the rest of the business world's kind of catching up to us a little bit and certainly uh, you know help we've helping a lot of our clients with some of those best practices yeah, so I think our, yeah i think our founder and ceo art saxby was really smart in the way he set that up and realized early on that we couldn't be successful if we couldn't really collaborate and communicate, even though we were spread out all over the place. I I will say another thing that's really important that I found is in our recruiting and hiring process. When we bring in new chief outsiders, we spend a lot of time on and we, you know, even so far as have our clients, excuse me, our our prospective CMOs go through a little bit of a cultural exercise. And if you look at our core values, I think they're they're wonderful, but they're not the normal, you know, trust and accountability and you know those types of things that you you find in most companies. And we want to understand how uh, potential CMOs, chief outsider CMOs, think about those things. How we kind of lean into that throughout the process has really helped us keep that learning environment and that culture of collaboration going. And 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 I know when I interview people, I spend a lot of time asking you know, about how do they uh, anticipate interacting with their tribe mates and where can they add value? At the same time, I think equally as important is the person who's not only ready to give, but is willing and comfortable enough to ask and to say, I don't know, I don't understand this. Is there someone who can help me? I'm stuck on something with my client. I don't have all the answers for my client. Who can help me break through this? And not everybody's comfortable doing that and uh, i found if you're not comfortable asking for help you're probably not a good fit for chief outsiders
3: yeah i i love that and you know we've worked really hard to create an environment and a culture where asking for help is okay and failing is okay. And you know, it starts, it starts with your culture. It's finished with the the, the, the people that live that culture every day. And so I, I think you're exactly right. You know, it's it, this world of, you know, everyone, you know, you have to know all the answers. You have to, you have to be the smartest person in the room is, is kind of over, right? The yeah. The marketing guru is dead. It's not a marketing guru anymore. Now it's a, it's a person that can come in and ask the right questions and admit that they don't know the answers and maybe their customers do and maybe we can learn from our customers and be smarter because of that so it's this combination of having enough experience to know that you don't know all the answers right it's this weird kind of that you know they're almost competing with each other you know i've been doing this for 30 years but i don't know right and i you know i in having the confidence to say i don't know is yeah. is sometimes hard
2: I had a client, uh, a new client once asked me, well, if, you know, I forget the C- which CMO it was, but if, you know, so-and-so needs help, is it okay for them to ask other chief outsiders for help? I said, "It's not only is it okay, it's expected. You know, it, that's part of their job is to ask for help if they need it.
1: Both Patrick and Slade, your, your conversation there reminded me of the physician analogy earlier that you had, Slade, that chief outsiders comes in. They ask questions. They try to diagnose the actual ailment rather than focusing on the symptoms. And that sounds, once again, like this is what you need to be successful in marketing and hiring is asking people the right questions and diagnosing those sooner to save yourself a lot of treatment and headache on the latter end.
2: You do. You do. You also have to you know cure the cough if they have a cough right you can't,
1: yeah <laughs> you can't ignore that
2: and, you know take care of that so the symptoms don't to the away. and that, and that's where adding value fast needs to get in there but you you know you got to go you got to dig a little deeper
0: so Slade, where can people find more about chief outsiders outside of this podcast since they, they're going to love everything you have to say where should we send them
2: Yeah, definitely go to the Chief Outsiders website, chiefoutsiders.com. Follow me or us on LinkedIn and Twitter. And uh, we've got a lot of content, a lot of tools that we make available for people in general. If you're interested in seeing the 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 caliber of uh, CMOs we have and the roster of CMOs, all 115 or whatever the number is are up there and available to look at. You can see everybody's background. You could even sort by industry sector as well as by specialty. So if you're looking this, you know, I need a, a SaaS expert or a, a consumer products expert, it's easy to find the individuals who fit that mold. Yeah,
3: and I think I see a copy of it behind you there, but the book Growth Gears, which, you know, I, I own as well. You know, I, I highly recommend checking that out as well. And I know that that was written by art, right? The-
2: yeah. So Growth Gears came from early research we did with the University of Texas in Austin, McComb School of Business. And it really looked at, you know, companies, basically operationally focused companies, internally focused companies and externally or market focused companies. And what the research showed was, you know, there are a bunch of companies that were performing well by focusing on the inside of the business, having a good operating rhythm and, you know, really kind of getting their operations done. You had a bunch of companies that were not always doing as well by focusing on the market, right? Because they were kind of dreamers and didn't really know how to execute. But when you put that market focused of really focusing on the customers and the market and those insights we talked about earlier, together with an operationally well company, they perform better on a consistent basis. And so, so many CEOs are operationally focused. There's, there's CFOs you know, in their former lives, they're engineers, they're software developers, they're, you know, distribution or logistic experts or whatever the case might be. And so they know operationally how to do things, but they're building things that they think the market wants and they're not necessarily building what the market really wants. So adding that market component is really the core of what the growth gears is about. And it talks about those gears, the gear of insights, really helping to provide leverage to that strategy gear which really makes that execution gear much more effective, so that you're not just trying those random acts of marketing and chasing the latest shiny penny, but you're doing things that are making an impact on the business. Now, when we talk about growth gears, we're often starting with the execution and then kind of working backwards into the strategy and insights, because you can't tell everybody you know, when you walk into a client, okay, everybody, stop what you're doing. We're going to shut down the company for six months while we go figure this out. So sometimes we've got to have to work backwards, but as we can fill in those insights and those strategies, that's where the effectiveness comes in.
3: I love that. And random acts of uh, marketing. I love that as well. I love that concept. You know, we have two new ad campaigns for you guys. We have the orange juice concentrate, which you guys need. You you should have a a display campaign for this happening now. And then eliminate random acts of marketing should be should be your next should be another campaign that you test after that. I love it.
2: Yeah. Well, one of my partners, uh, my fellow managing partner here at Chief Outsiders, Karen Hayward, did write a book "Stop random acts of marketing. Oh, I love another one to check out. Look, the scenario that I see a lot with with clients or prospective clients is we've got a great marketing department. They get a lot of things done and then you look into it and they're just ping ponging from thing to thing because everybody thinks they're a marketer. So sales is coming to this. The board is coming to that. The CFO says you should have this campaign. Somebody's mother said, oh, I saw a competitor doing this. So they're doing their best to be reactive and just jump. I'm sure you see it with your clients, right? Yep. They're jumping from thing to thing And and you know, they may even be well respected inside the organization because they get a lot of things done. We got a great marketing team. They get all so much done, but they're not making a meaningful impact on the growth of the business. And that's what good marketing organizations need to do, is not just get things done because you still have to get things done, but getting the things done that are purposefully and, you know, that are purposely driving the business forward in a more predictable rhythm of revenue generation.
3: Slade, this is awesome thank you so much for for the time you know i i i personally you know i've enjoyed working with chief outsiders it's been a great experience i highly recommend you know specifically that the the mid market that is looking to kind of make that next scalable you know performance based growth plan and and really knowing what wire to cut going into the future you know it's it's highly recommended every every time we have an engage it, it ends up being a better engagement because they know so i know that they're they're being led with you know very valuable strategic insight from the top so thank you for, for thank you for everything that you do i would be remiss here if i didn't you know you have 115 cmo's to pull from so you, this has got to be super super insightful here what is your hot take what is the biggest thing we should be looking for for marketing for the next year what's what? What's the next big thing in marketing?
2: I don't know if it's the next big thing, but I think the biggest thing that I see is people got to get out of this B2B, B2C focused type of thing. Look, what you're doing is you're selling products or services to people. And sometimes those people are buying for themselves and sometimes they're buying for their business. But the process more and more is the same, right? We've all been trained by our cell phones and Amazon and Google and Apple to want a certain experience. And we're following that same experience. And yes, there are some nuances into how you communicate and the buying process is different. But if you can really zero in on that buying process, you're going to be way ahead of the game. So get out of your own head. Stop playing off the old tapes. Stop talking about your sales process and make it easier for your customers to buy from you, whether no matter what you're selling, I love it. I, I don't it, know if that answered your question, but it, that's where it I absolutely
3: see. Absolutely does. I think I think uh, Miles talked about it a couple of podcast episodes ago. You know, this concept of it's business to people, right? And it's we're talking absolutely. to people, we're talking to humans. This is about using design thinking and empathy and all of in the in the consumer insight to to help talk to people. And I think that's, you know, you can sometimes forget about that when you're staring at dashboards and metrics all day. Yeah. And that the other person, on the end of that ad is a person. And what do they, what do they care about? What do they want to know about? I love it. Thank you. For, thank you so much for your time, Slade. We'll, we'll talk soon.
2: Yeah, it's been fun. Appreciate it.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of Test, Learn, Grow from your friends at Level Agency. For more information about what we do here at Level, be sure to visit us online at www.level.agency.
0: And do not forget to rate and subscribe to this show wherever you listen to your podcasts so that you never miss an episode. Until next time, remember that the best way to do any sort of marketing
2: is to test, learn, and grow.